the world and ungodliness. How bad is it? And how much worse can it become? Now, it seems as though that everything is upside down and backwards. And that people are trying to find their own way out of all the troubles and difficulties without really turning to God. We are seeing so many things taking place in the world that are denying God and are actually becoming almost unreal. Now, as we learned this last week, I don't know how many of you saw it, but there was a slip of the tongue by Kamala Harris when she was talking about how to handle climate warming or climate change, whatever it may be. And she said one of the ways that it needs to be handled is the depopulation. Now think about that. What are the two fastest ways to depopulate the earth? Okay. Number one, a pandemic. Okay, so I'm going to ring my bell. Will there be another pandemic unleashed just before the election in 2024? Have to wait and see. What's another way of depopulating the earth a little more slowly? Okay. Now, in addition to bad food, bad medical procedures, and so forth, little sidebar over here, there was a report of research on the Amish people. Number one, they're not involved in all of the modern things that we have today. And they live where they can grow their own food. They don't have electricity. They don't have the internet. They don't have cars. They still have horse and buggy. But they are the most sane, least troubled, most healthy, and long-lived people in America. And... They try and follow the Bible the best that they can. So look at that compared to what's going on here in the rest of the world. Now, back to the next way of depopulating the world. Homosexuality. Now then, look at what they're doing in all of the schools. Homosexuality and also gender change. Now, let's answer the question on gender change. Now, let's go to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Now, last night on the news, there was a a young girl who thought that it would be good to become a boy. And then she started taking all of the testosterone and all of the drugs and everything. And then at 14, she went in to have the operation of mastectomy to remove breasts. And after that, she came to her senses quite a bit too late to totally change everything but it was ruining and destroying her life. Now, we know that God said in the beginning, he made them male and female and made after the the image and likeness of God. However, we're not God. 
And there are certain things of God that we cannot change. So here in Matthew 5, let's pick it up in verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to those in ancient times, you shall not forswear yourself, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven for it's God's throne, neither by the earth for it is his footstool of his feet, nor by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Now notice verse 36. Neither shall you swear by your head. Okay? You can't change certain things. Okay? Because you do not have the power to make one hair white or black. You can't change what God has created. Now, it's impossible, as we have covered, to change the sex. All right? Come over here, chapter 6, verse 27. Verse 27, Matthew 6. But who among you is taking, by taking careful thought, is able to add one cubit to his stature? Okay, that's a principle. You can't change anything about you physically by what you do. Now, God put the process of growing. God put the process of everything there for that. So all of this gender change and all of these, these sexualization of the world, and by all means, go to church at home and watch the the series I'm doing on the sexualization of the world and Satan out of the closet. Now then, how far of this sex perversion has it reached? Who now approves of it? All right, I'll show you the picture. Pope Francis waving the what? The homosexual flag. And he has said homosexuality is not a crime. Now, all of the priests and cardinals and everyone will be happy with that decision because there's a book out called In the Closet of the Vatican. And that shows that most of them there are already homosexuals. What is the last barrier that they're working on right now? Pedophilia. And they're renaming it. Those who are attracted to minors. Here's another one. Unbelievable. This is in the United Kingdom and from one of the, and the Archbishop of the Anglican Church there. Archbishop of York, UK, has reportedly said he agrees that the Lord's Prayer should become more inclusive. Meaning that the word Father needs to be changed. Now, as I've already reported, they have already changed it. Clear back in 1995, when they first put out the first transgender New Testament, where they changed the name of the father from father to father slash mother. Now, how far is it going to go? 
Well, I think you're going to be very surprised here in a little bit. But let's look at this. Here is a comparison. The biblical Jesus, the modern Jesus. And it's all becoming Satanized. So the biblical Jesus, born as God Almighty, in the flesh. Modern Jesus was a good teacher in man. Now, what does that mean? That means man has authority to do whatever he wants. See? Okay. Now, one of the things that's being changed today is love. Loves us enough to speak the truth. That's the biblical Jesus. The modern Jesus waters down words to avoid being offensive. Biblical Jesus points us toward the eternal treasure of eternal life. Modern Jesus points us to earthly treasure. Biblical Jesus warns of sin, judgment, and hell, which is the lake of fire. Modern Jesus, all go to heaven, dismisses hell. That is the lake of fire. Now think about this, all the kids being taught in the public schools today. Okay. And what they are learning. And by the time that they, they reach about age 15, pretty close to half of them are already in the A to Z sexuality. Back to the biblical Jesus. Commands repentance of sin. Modern Jesus minimizes need for repentance and sins. Biblical Jesus gives you salvation, hope, peace, and joy. Modern Jesus gives you health, wisdom, and happiness. Well, you could add dash with sickness, disease, and death. Biblical Jesus is hated and despised by the world. The modern Jesus, the fake Jesus, loved and accepted by the world. And that fake Jesus is Satan the devil. And by the way, I've got a report here which shows that Disneyland was producing, what? A movie where a girl falls in love with Satan. So, think about that, okay? Biblical Jesus hates sin, exposes the truth about sin. Modern Jesus overlooks sin and never corrects us. Biblical Jesus commands with divine authority. Modern Jesus Give suggestions and not commandments and do whatever you want. Biblical Jesus says to expect persecution in his name. Modern Jesus promises our best life now. And it never turns out that way. Biblical Jesus brings division when necessary. And Byron covered that. Modern Jesus promises unity, tolerance at all costs after we're hateful and tolerant to all the Christians. Okay, let's finish this. Biblical Jesus exalts God the Father's will. Modern Jesus serves your will above God's will if you have any belief in God. Okay, biblical Jesus warns of false signs and wonders, magnifies God's word. Modern Jesus exalts signs, wonders, and mysticism above God's word. 
and seeking out devils, seeking out ghosts. Don't they have that now on television? Seeking out ghosts. Put it on there. They're going to find them because Satan is going to come out even more. Now, a couple more, and then we'll take a break. Biblical Jesus demands that emotion, experience, and opinion conform to the sound teachings of God. The modern Jesus exalts emotion, experience, and opinion above sound teaching, and that is based on I feel or I think. See, now what does God say of man? Man at his very best is what? All together vanity, right? And what is the human mind without God, especially when the mind is being flooded and exercised by the spirit of Satan? It is desperately wicked, deceitful above all things. Okay? The biblical Jesus commands us to deny yourself and be willing to lay down your life for God. Modern Jesus encourages you to love yourself first and gratify all your fleshly desires. Quite a thing. That's what we're seeing. This is the transition. And now it's happening a whole lot quicker than we ever thought. They did a survey of the students in Brown University, and they found that 38% of them belong to the A to Z sexual category. So the most evil institution in the world is the educational system of America. And that's why we have so much trouble. Now, there is a big resistance right now against trying to change the sex. Let's hope that they make some progress. Little sidebar, I saw part of a video of a, an Orthodox priest preaching, don't send your kids to school, and God made us male and female, and you can't change it. And then I heard a Catholic priest speak almost the same thing. So even if they don't know God the way that they should, in Jeremiah 23, God says, even though I didn't send them, if they teach them my word, I will honor it. So we don't know what's going to happen with this. But this world is headed for a great collision of belief of a magnitude we never expected to see. Now, we're going to cover some of that, but right now let's go ahead and take a break and we'll be back in 20. Now let's continue on. The world and its ungodliness that it has now. How did all of that start? Well, we know it started with Satan the devil and then later through Adam and Eve and then mankind down to the time of the flood and afterwards after the flood. But Satan keeps coming back and coming back and coming back and people keep going to him. Okay. Now we find it labeled here at the end times in Revelation 17. So let's turn there because with the Pope out there waving the flag of the homosexuals, he is really displaying the true inner workings of what they really want. And it's described here in Revelation 17. Let's begin in verse 1. Okay. And one of the seven angels who had the seven vials came and spoke with me, saying to me, come here. I will show you the judgment of the great whore who sits upon many waters. And we know verse 15, that is over nations and languages and kings and so forth. And that's what the Vatican has always done. Okay. 
with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And those who dwell on the earth were made drunk by the wine of her fornication. And that's what all of this crazy thinking is about. It is about Satan's spiritual drunkenness poured out upon them. Then he carried me away in in the spirit to a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting upon a scarlet beast, having seven heads and ten horns full of the names of blasphemy. Everything against God. Everything contrary to what God has said. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet and was adorned with gold and pearls and precious stones and had a golden cup in her hand filled with the abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Okay? Now, that's where all of this is coming from because this is what Satan is doing right now. Verse 7. And across her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great. That's why we ask the question, how does all of this evil happen? The mystery is they have left God. And they don't want God in any of their thoughts. And so that automatically, with the laws of God, brings all of the chaos, brings all of these things that we see out into the open. Now, they've always been there behind the scenes, and every once in a while, they come out in the open. That happened just before the days of of Queen Victoria in England. Homosexuality was running wild and rampant. So when she came to the throne, she outlawed homosexuality and she outlawed all of those practices. And then the nation recovered from all of its degradation. That's known as the Victorian era. Well, here it is out again. Okay. Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of the harlots and of the abominations of the earth. Okay, now notice verse 6, because this shows the confrontation that's coming, which Byron brought out in his message. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of, of the martyrs of Jesus. And after seeing her, I wondered with great admonition, amazement rather. Then the angel said, why are you amazed? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and ten horns. Then it describes what is what is coming up now, which is is the one world beastly government. Now, let's come back here to the book of Isaiah. Okay, Let's read another prophecy of what is happening before our very eyes in this ungodly world. And it's going to be so much that can anyone turn it around? How much can be changed? Think about it. See? Now, Isaiah 29, verse 15. Here's what we're looking at. And this world is going to be exactly as it says here. Verse 15. Woe to those who go deep to hide their purpose from the Lord. All of these have been in the background, and all of them have been functioning at a low level. And no one has known it. That's called secret societies. Masons, Knights of Columbus, inner secrets of the Catholic Church, inner secrets of the Church of Satan, and so forth. And our works are done in the dark, and they say, who sees us? Who knows us? 
Surely you have turned things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the potter's clay? And isn't that the way they're treating God today? We will make us post-human. We will give ourselves eternal life. We will have factories which will produce children without mothers. And then guess who owns them? The ones who made them. Okay? See, you talk about completely upside down. It's coming. Now, we look at it and we think, can it get any worse? Well, the answer is, without a doubt, it's going to. Okay? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, he has no understanding? So that's the way they view it. It's quite a terrible thing, the way things are going. Let's continue on in this and see where it's going to go. Now we understand about the educational system and what it is doing. And it's doing a very productive job in producing all of the, the A to Z sexual behavior. Now then, what about the abortion clinic Planned Parenthood? Have you ever seen their emblem? It's supposed to be two P's on an angle like this. But if you look at it carefully, that picture's a broken womb. Because that's what they do when they have abortion. Now then, since Planned Parenthood is having a difficult time because of the ruling of the Supreme Court lately, but even though they ruled the way that they did, they're not able to stop abortion. So now they have something better. And this is going to take place in Minnesota right now, which is sex education camps in Minnesota. Now, what do you think they're going to teach them? And you get all these teenagers in there, and you get them all stirred up sexually, what do you think they're going to have them practice doing right at the camp? Now it says, trained educators instead of perverts throughout Minnesota provide sex education to youth and adults in their communities. Planned Parenthood is committed to providing sex education that is non-judgmental, meaning any practice of any sex is just fine with us. Medically accurate, culturally responsive, culturally specific, education programming helping to remove barriers to growing. The youth programs build future leaders by giving teenagers reliable information about reproductive and sexual health that they can share with their friends and family and connect youth with resources to stay healthy and make a difference in their community. In other words, do whatever they want to and rely on the doctors if anything comes up. Okay? Education programs for youth range from the opportunity to become a peer educator, showing other teens what to do, sharing valuable reproductive health information to peers and family, to receiving tailored individual education, a variety of reproductive health topics. Nice wording for saying, showing how to become a total pervert. Participants receive reliable, accurate information they need 
to make responsible decisions and stay healthy. Parental permission is required for all youth programs. Isn't that nice? Okay. Now, then there's another organization, Southeast Asian Sexual Health, Empowerment Through Learning and Leadership. Look at this symbol. Six, six, six. Amazing indeed. All right. Now, how far can this madness go? Parents can be arrested for not paying for their child's sex transition. And they slaughter them when they, and totally ruin their lives. If you think mastectomy for a teenage girl is a difficult proposition, I cannot explain to you how they make female genitals in males. So I'll let you go online and look that up for yourself. Okay? Now then, what else is happening? What was the greatest victory of the COVID pandemic? Now, it's killed many more people than they realize, maybe up in the millions. But it didn't kill people like they wanted to. But what did it do when they made everyone stay home? You can't assemble anywhere. You can't go to church. You can't go to a theater. Okay. What's the residual of that now? Their greatest victory is the shutting down of the churches. Now, here's a whole article. How do you resurrect an empty church? Now, even in the churches of God, we're old and we're small, right? How many avenues are opened up to us to preach the word so people can hear and come and repent? Well, if you go online, if you really speak the truth, and I really think that the things that we have, they are shadow banned. That is, they let you stay online, but they don't let anyone else know about you or as few as possible. Okay? So, likewise with the churches. America's aging houses of worship face a stark choice. That is referring to the buildings and the property. Okay? Their choice is to sell, redevelop, pray for a miracle. Well, also, this is punishment from God because they didn't preach the truth. So now it's being taken away. Okay? So it shows a picture of the West Park Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, which then they're going to have to tear down because no one is attending. On June 25th, Summerfield Church in Milwaukee held its last Sunday service. The rough-cut sandstone church with its bright red doors and stained-glass windows was built in 2004 to house the state's oldest Methodist congregation. And today the Methodist church is being ripped asunder on two fronts. Number one, being ripped asunder because many of the Methodist churches are endorsing the A to Z sexual standards by saying God loves everyone. And they count having people coming to church as success. So if you have numbers, you have success. How does God count it? Who is converted? Okay. Now remember, when God was going to send the two angels to destroy Sodom, 
Now, that totally sexualized in every way that's going on today, clear back then. And Abraham, he was concerned for his nephew, Lot. So he came to the Lord and said, well, Lord, what are you going to do? And he says, I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to send the two angels there. I'm just paraphrasing it. So he said, well, what if there are 50 righteous there? Will you still destroy it? No. What if there are 45? Will you destroy it? No. Then he got them all the way down to 10. To 10. Well, you know the rest of the story. We just covered that recently. See? Didn't happen. And even Mrs. Lot couldn't obey the angel who said, don't look back. See, so this ought to tell us something very powerful. What God says, he means. And sometimes, boom, the judgment comes right away. Okay, so here we have with the churches. They are closing down that it's hard to find them. Now, you look at any of the churches anywhere, there are very few people. And the ones who come are what? They're old. Same way with the churches of God. How old are all of us? Okay. What's going to happen when we die? What doors is God going to open? And that's my prayer every day. What God will help us do and how to do it. Okay, so this church here, last spring, this big church, I'll show you the picture of it right here. This big church dwindled down from hundreds that would come to just 11 members. None younger than 65. And the repair bill to repair the building would be $1.3 million. Amazing. And it says, it is a story replaying over and over in the cities across the United States where older churches are being hammered by neighborhood change and maintenance costs coinciding with a national trend of plummeting religious attendance across faiths, doesn't matter what denomination. Over the past decade, the share of Americans who attend weekly services at a church, synagogue, mosque, or temple has fallen to 30%. Think of that. 70% gone. Either died or left. After hovering for the for a half a century at 40%. Overall membership has fallen even more precipitously, and less than one-half of Americans now say they belong to a religious organization. And even with us, look at how we're able to reach out with live services. Okay? And we reach the brethren. And I want you to all pray that God will help us reach some of these younger people because Jesus gave the promise that the gates of the grave would never prevail against the church. Okay? And we need God to intervene. And we need to have the messages and the ways and the means of reaching the people as well. So he says... Quote here, the churches have been on the edge of a cliff and COVID was a blast of air blowing them off, says Rick Reinhardt, consultant who worked with the United Methodist Church on what to do about aging structures. Then he listed off towns with a half a dozen, a dozen or more churches heading into obsolescence. 
And the Methodist Church, if it keeps going the way it is, will end up not being around any place. This dilemma echoes older ones. Fifty years ago, white flight emptied out urban neighborhoods just as new global wave of immigrants began to repopulate those areas. Many churches changed hands. Others found a happy second life as theater or homes, etc. So there you go. That's what's happening there. Now on top of it, we have this. Hostility toward Christians in a militant way that we never figured would happen. See? So that's why we need to ask for God's protection. Now, very interesting with the AI Bible. Guess who asked the AI to write a Bible for them? PETA. Now, who's PETA? Peter are the vegetarians who, who are against cruelty to animals. According to a May release, Peter's manipulation of AI is in a long list of concerns that religious advocates who spoke to the Daily Caller News Foundation to rewrite the creation story. Now, let's see what they did to the creation story, okay? You're well aware of it. There's obviously different translations of the Old Testament and New Testament, but this isn't just a difference in translation. This is a different interpretation of the actual text. And I think there are theological issues what Peter is putting out in this version of the Bible. So here's Peter's version of it. In the PETA AI overhauled creation account titled The Book, the terms beast and creatures are exchanged for being. They are being. And the clothing that God produced for Adam and Eve, after they had sinned, is made of hemp and bamboo instead of animal skin. And this comes out and it says, this is the PETA Bible. Oh, well, those are nice people. They're not against, they're not against cruelty to animals. Okay. Look what they produce. Okay. Now, continuing on, the Bible has long been used to justify all forms of oppression. So we used the AI to make it clear that a living God would never endorse exploitation of or cruelty to animals. It took God only six days to create the entire world. But we realize it will take us years to rewrite the whole Bible, which is why we've started with just the first book. So think of what they're going to do with the rest of the Bible. Okay. Now, this makes us very thankful that through the years we've been able to stick to the truth and produce the Bible accurate to the Hebrew, and to the Greek. And all of our books and everything that we have. And let me again warn everybody, be careful of your digital Bibles and things that you have. And make sure that you have a lot of the material that we have produced in printed form, in your hand. Continuing, a Peter spokesperson said that while the Bible is evidence enough that God is against animal cruelty, the organization created its own version of Genesis 
to help prevent people from misusing Scripture. Now, you talk about an oxymoron. If you take the Bible for what it says, you're misusing it. Come to PETA. We will help you. (laughs) Sit down and have a salad with us, and we'll explain it to you. The spokesman also dismissed the idea that the project was a rewrite of a religious document, calling it simply a modern telling of Genesis. See? That's why God did not leave it to uneducated, unconverted people to write the Word of God. Okay? Now let's look at that. This become more true than ever before. Second Peter, the first chapter. Could you imagine what would happen if the Apostle Paul were resurrected and he was handed the PETA Bible? <laughs> what is this? Okay. What was that made of? Okay, the cloths were made of bamboo and what? Hemp. Oh, marijuana and bamboo. That's good. And after it's worn out, you can smoke it. (laughs) Okay. Now, you go back and think all the years you've been in the church. Could you have ever imagined such a thing as this? Hey. Now, let me announce this. I have 100 of these books coming. It is entitled Restoring the Original Bible by Dr. Ernest Martin. Now, he was a professor at Ambassador College, and he left in 93. But this, as a historian, is very accurate. Now, later, he got carried away with Protestant theology, unfortunately. But this is a good book, and I've ordered 100 of them. Now, they'll be here in a week or so. So if you want one, you email us or call the office and ask for the book. Restoring the original Bible. And this will give you an insight as to some of the things that I wrote in the commentaries in the front of the Bible, how we came to have it, but this is more detailed and very accurate. Covers the Old Testament and the New Testament. All right? Now here's what Peter wrote. Verse 13. For I consider it my duty as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up, causing you to remember these things, knowing that shortly the putting off of this of my tabernacle will come, even as our Lord Jesus Christ signified to me. So this was in his old age. Okay. And if you read chapter three, you find that it refers to all of Paul's epistles. So he had all of them. Okay. Now continuing verse 15, chapter 1 is 2 Peter. I will make every effort that after my departure, you may always have a written remembrance of these things in order to practice them for yourself. That's why God wants it written down. Okay. How many laptops have they found in ancient caves? Zero. They found books. Okay. Verse 16. 
For we did not follow cleverly concocted messes as our authority. Now, isn't that what we're reading right now? About Peter, cleverly concocted myths about the creation. And they plan to write the whole Bible. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his magnificent glory. Now then, he's referring to the time when Jesus took uh, Peter and James and John who went up to the Mount of Transfiguration and in a vision was transfigured before them and they saw him what he would look like as a spirit being. And this was so indelibly written in the mind of Peter. And remember what Peter said after the vision became known. He said, Lord, let us make here three tabernacles one for you, one for Elijah, and one, one for Moses. Okay? Then everything disappeared, and only Jesus was standing there, and he told him on the way down off the mountain, tell no man about this vision until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. Okay? So this is what he's referring to here because he received glory and honor from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, this is my son, the beloved, in whom I am well pleased. All right, now think about this. Do you suppose that Peter would write anything or say anything that was contrary to the teachings of Jesus? and to the word of God. And yet the Catholics have the audacity to say that Peter was the first pope. Okay? So what we're reading today is not the first time that everything was turned upside down. Now verse 18. And this is the voice from heaven that we heard when we were with him on a holy mountain. We also possess the confirmed prophetic word. That's the Old Testament and the writings of the New Testament. Okay? To which you do well to pay attention as to a light shining in a dark place. And like today, darkness is covering the earth. Now it says in Isaiah, darkness shall cover the earth. And if you have the Messiah, the baritone sings that, and that's quite a song. And gross darkness, the world. Okay? That's what we're living in right now. Okay? But the word of God is as a light shining in a dark place until the day dawn. That's the return of Christ. And the morning star arises in your heart. That's when you're resurrected. Doesn't it say in Daniel 12 that we will shine as the stars? And didn't Jesus say that those who are in the kingdom of God will shine like the sun? Okay. Now that's the glory we have to look forward to. Okay. Now verse 20. See, all of this is leading up to verse 20. For the veracity of the word of God. Knowing this first, in other words, this is the primary, basic, foundational understanding for the Word of God, that no prophecy of Scripture, and that doesn't mean prophetic Scriptures, that means speaking the truth as God led them by the Holy Spirit and then writing it. Remember what happened with Jeremiah? He wrote, he wrote down some of these things, and Barak was his secretary to do it. And then one of the kings, when he received it, cut it out with a knife and threw it in the fire. So the word came to Jeremiah that he did this, and he said, Now you are going to write these words and more that I tell you. So you go back and all through the Old Testament with everything is, the word of the Lord came to so-and-so, all right? 
knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture originated as anyone's own private interpretation. What is the PETA Bible and any other AI Bible that's going to come? A private interpretation based upon the ideology of men. Just like I said when I brought the first message on AI, and I I brought out to you, and I still have it here on my desk, the book World Scriptures, printed in the 1990s. So they've been at this a long time. Okay? Now here's the reason. Verse 21. Because prophecy was not brought at any time by human will. This is human will. The Peter Bible is human will. AI is human will, is it not? Okay. But by the holy men of God who spoke when they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, okay, that it is God breathed. That's why, in producing the Bible, we went to the original in Hebrew and in Greek, because many of the other translations out there are perverted. But this Peter Bible is not a perversion. It's a recreation of Satanism, having nothing to do with what God wants us to do. Now, the last thing I want to cover, okay? Now, how close are we to seeing the temple being rebuilt? Now, why is this important? Come back here. We'll go back and review this again, just so everybody has it in mind. Matthew 24, okay? There are even some Protestants who are saying that we're already in the tribulation. Okay. Well, if that's the case, why hasn't the rapture occurred? If we're in the tribulation, weren't they told if you, when the tribulation comes, you'll be raptured away? Okay. Hasn't occurred. Okay. When will the tribulation begin? All right. Verse 15. Therefore, when you shall see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. The holy place is the interior of the temple. Okay. Then this parenthetical statement added by John when he canonized the New Testament, the one who reads, let him understand. Now, why would he write that? Because he was given the vision in in Revelation 11 to measure the temple, right? And the grounds, right? Okay. And in 2 Thessalonians, Paul wrote about the abomination of desolation by the the man of sin, the son of perdition, going into the holy place saying he's God. Well, that didn't happen in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. So John put this parenthetical statement there so that later people would understand you've got to watch for the abomination of desolation and there must be a temple built. And the Jews are getting close to doing it. Okay? Now, here's another article. Arrival of the biblical red heifer could bring millions of visitors. That's, they got two red heifers over there now. Okay? Now, remember Judah. What did Judah do? What did Judah do to Joseph? 
Remember that? He said, let's sell them to the Arabs going down to, uh, or to the Midianites, rather, going down into Egypt. Let's not kill them. Make some money. Okay. They're taking this heifer and they're bringing it to where Shiloh was. Now, where was Shiloh? Shiloh was where the tabernacle was first set up after they entered the land. Okay. Now then, they're going to put this cow on display. I think they have two of them there. Okay. Actually, they've been looking for a long time, and they finally found five of them in Texas. What is Texas? Manasseh. So it's still of Israel, right? Okay. So here's a cow. Okay. Hundreds of visitors flocked to Shiloh on Thursday to welcome a biblically pure red heifer. Okay. Now, Numbers 19 tells them about the red heifer. We won't go through it for lack of time. You can read it. Okay. To welcome a biblically pure red heifer. Now think about this for a minute. The Jews say without the red heifer and the ashes of it being sacrificed for the sprinkling, none of the Jews are clean. They're all impure. So they're all looking for it, but we're going to make some money on the side, bring in all the tourists so they can come and see a couple of heifers. So you pay whatever on a tour to go, and you go on a bus, and you go down to Shiloh, and you look there and you see, what's all the excitement about with these two heifers? Okay, how can that bring forgiveness? See? Now, I don't think the Jews are going to have one of the tour guides give a lecture on what happened at Shiloh originally. Remember what happened? During the days of Samuel, when he was there with Eli, Eli's sons were corrupt, misbehaved, they were abusing the sacrifices and everything, committing adultery right at the gate of the of the tabernacle. I mean, you talk about sexual depravity. See, that was a bad one. So what happened? The two sons, Hophni and Phineas, they were fighting the Philistines and they were losing. So they said, well, if we go back and get the ark, then God will have to give us the victory. Listen, you can have the ark and you can have the whole temple and you can have everything that you want, but if you are not right with God, it won't work. So what did they do? They took the ark. The Philistines defeated them, took the ark, killed the two sons, and Eli when he got the news, fell over backward and hit his head on a big rock and died. One day, all three died, just like God prophesied. Now, do you suppose that at Shiloh, when the buses come down with all of the tourists, with all of their cameras, and they're all looking, and here's this stall, two red heifers. Do you think that the spokesman's going to tell them about the sins of the people of Israel and why God destroyed the tabernacle area of Shiloh? No. And the red heifer will never forgive their sins. And it's about time that more Jews understand Jesus was the sacrifice and understand they were driven from Jerusalem in 586 B.C. because of their sins, not because of the army. The army was the result of their sins. And likewise, in 70 A.D., 
God destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD because of their sins. And their greatest sin was what? Rejecting Jesus Christ, God manifested in the flesh. And they said to Pilate, when Pilate wanted to release him, let his blood be on us and on our children. That tells you the story of why the Jews have had it so difficult. Because of their sins. Not because of the enemy. The enemy comes because of sin. Now here in America, we're going to have to learn the same story. Because modern Christianity has a fake Jesus with a fake salvation, with everything fake about it. And that's why their churches are emptying and being turned over into taverns and into theaters and to whatever other activity because they have rejected the truth of God and his word. See? And that's the whole story of the ungodliness in this world that is coming like a great avalanche of many tsunamis coming upon us. That's going to be absolutely quite a thing. So, we'll close by saying that the tribulation cannot begin until the abomination of desolation stands in the holy place. We're getting close, but it hasn't happened.